2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. A lot of people don't believe the gospel can change your life. We have evidence it can. Death to Life shares testimonies of radical transformation, stories of people getting freed from and healed from sin, so you can hear, believe, and be transformed by Jesus. This is Death to Life. I know you hold me down. And I hear two very clear things that that were earth-shattering to me. First of all, after I after I confess and after I'm like, man, this was just the, one of the most stupidest things I've ever done. Um, the Spirit says, you're still my son and you're still good. I didn't know that it was going to, it would be so soon. But I audibly, as I was, I was walking under the stars and with, and on the ocean, and I'm, I'm, I'm conversing with, with my father. For the first, I, I, I audibly say, getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. Before we jump into this podcast and we get in today's story. I have a, a question for you. If you are not on our Love Reality Gospel Community group on Facebook, my question is, baby, what is you doing? What is you doing, baby? Uh, that's where it goes down. That's where the encouragement goes down. That's where like announcements go down. That's where just being edified by the body of Christ goes down. Uh, that's where a lot of stuff goes down. So um, what you need to do is go right now, pause this interview, pause this podcast, go right now, make a beeline for the book of faces. And uh, you just have to answer one or two questions when you sign up for our Love Reality Gospel community and then come back. I'll wait. Okay, you're back. And I want to tell you about today's guest. Uh, if you have not heard Harold Alomia's story from Death to Life, go back into season one. It is a doozy. Um, it was the first one I did in person. And it was just awesome. Man, it's a long one. 
because uh, there's a lot of death. Spoiler alert. Lots of death. But then there's a lot of life. And it's awesome. This episode is a follow-up to that episode. Where we find out what happened to Harold in the subsequent years after him getting free. And there's some stuff. And I, this episode is not a sad tale. This is not, woe is Harold. Harold is living his best life in the spirit. But there's a story. And uh, forgiveness has to take place. And uh, reconciliation. And just a lot of learning and a lot of growth in my my man Harold. So I love this episode. There's a lot of just talk about growing in this thing and learning. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think you're going to love it too. I really think you're going to love it. And so we're going to get into the episode. And uh, the next guy you'll hear is... Harold Alomia, hear ye him. Buckle up, strap in. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. It's only me waking up to no memory. Circumstances can be very difficult and painful. And because of the gospel, but because of the gospel, your circumstances don't determine you anymore. So you, you good. Like, yeah, everything's crumbling aside apart from you and around you and world's falling apart. And you're like, you know, it kind of hurts, but I'm good. And, and you mean well, it. It's not just like a little mental mantra that we tell ourselves, you know, we're going to psych ourselves out. It's going to be optimistic. No, no, no. We're good. It's because you actually are good. It's mm-hmm. like you actually are safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and dude, I want to hear about this. I want to hear the story yeah. that led to you saying, man, I'm going to full send freedom from sin. Uh, <laughs> tell me the story, dude. So basically, freedom came September of 2019. And I think that up to that point, there... Uh, it's, uh, let's see how we phrase this. So September happens. Things are different. I'm not saying that things are different, but but there seem to be some people that are noticing. I was just reminded about that uh, the other day, uh, recalling how my wife never told me. But, you know, she would always I would always go through these points of like, oh, I'm really sorry. And I, I'd be apologetic and it would last like a week. I'd be nice. Right. And then I'd be back to same old, same old. Mm-hmm. And this time it was more than a week. It was two weeks. And she was like, okay, she never said anything, but she later on said that she was like, okay, week one. Okay. Week two. Okay. Week three. Mm. What? Like what's, he's different and something's up, but she never said anything to me. And I never told her anything either. I never said, Hey, I've changed baby. I just started living life from a position of sun, from a position of freedom. Right. That was it. But then there were still some things that needed to be addressed. So I remember a part of that was um, seeing that I had I had ministered to my congregation from a place of bitterness, anger, resentment, older brothership. Um, all of a sudden, some things came to a head, you know. And I remember that one of those things was me sitting down, this was before the pandemic, me sitting down with some key elders 
or better yet, some key elders having a sit down with me. And I had no idea that this was a sit down, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so hey, they, will you meet with us, brother? Yeah. We just want to, Oh, okay. Let me just go back to <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and previous to that, I had a couple of close friends come to me and said, Hey, are you happy here? Like, cause I've been hearing that you want to go. I'm like, oh, no, we are. So when these three good elders sit down with me, um, I, I only remember walking into the, into the conference room and literally hearing again, hearing a very, very vivid impression voice, uh, whatever we want to call it. Um, a very vivid impression voice that says, Harold, sit down, shut up. Don't say a word and listen. Oh. And I was like, what? Sit down, shut up. Don't say a word. Listen. And it was gone. And I was like, I was okay. And they start talking and they open up and I said, hi, yeah, thanks. God, da, 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 you know, uh -huh. and I'm like, oh, and I literally said, oh, wait, this is an intervention. And they just were like, quiet. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's, let's hear it. And so for about two hours, dude, they just gave me a lot of concerns, complaints, some unwarranted, some warranted about me, about the staff. And How were you able to, um, now that you're walking in freedom and your, your ears have actually perked uh -huh. up to listen because yeah. you're not always defending yourself. Right. It's not always about right. you anymore. Right. 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 How were you able to walk through that and decipher, oh, this is a legit thing that I need. Mm -hmm. And this, mm -hmm. oh, that, um, and you don't have to tell me anything, <laughs> but is there like, like an example of something that you were like. Oh man, this is what I was walking in and they're, mm -hmm. they're pointing mm -hmm. it out. They love me. How yeah. were you able to do that? I, I don't know. And I know, I don't know if that makes sense. Like I, if, 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 if the question is what strategies, like what, what, um, what John Maxwell principles that you use, I, I don't have any John Maxwell principles that I used. I literally right. just heard, sit down, shut up, listen, don't say a word. And I just did that. And so as they were communicating some concerns, some of them were not valid. Some of them were, but were understood because they were coming as part of a series of other concerns that were, con that were real. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and some of them were directed towards members of, of staff. And I was like, ah, oh, that's not accurate about them. Mm -hmm. Um, or no, that's not how that situation. And they would actually ask me, is this how they, that it would, and I'm like, no, that's not how it entirely went down, but like, this is how it went. And there was no defense, but they were just like, you know, here it is. And, you know, basically fix it if you can. And I said, okay. So about two hours later, I walk out, we all walk out. And one of the elders whom, whom I, I, I trust and, and I knew was, I knew he did it because he, he, he loved me. He appreciated me. At least that's what I perceived. And that's what I believe. Um, immediately pulls me into the office, old pastor, old pastor, uh -huh. right? Experienced man. He pulls me into my office immediately and he says, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. And he says, no, no, no. How are you? You can be honest with me. I'm like, I am always honest with you. I'm good. And he says, there's no way that you're good. We just spent two hours, like basically like excoriating you. You cannot be good. I said, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, and I, I literally told him I'm walking in freedom. I'm walking in spirit. I receive what you guys say and I think it's valid and, and I'll, I'll work to make it better. I'll, this, this will, this will change. And brother's like, 
Okay. It's, I said, yeah, I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm fine. Really? And so I started, and that's where I started processing like, oh man, I've been, I've been really messing up for, for all this time. And it's, it's finally come to the, the, what is it? What's that statement? The, the chickens, the have chickens come have come home to roost mm-hmm. or, uh, yeah. Chickens have come home to roost. It's, it's like, all right, it got serious, you know? So, um, I just went about trying to make reconciliation where I needed to make reconciliation. Um, and some reconciliation was done with some people. Some people never stopped seeing, uh, Paul, uh, Saul, where Paul was now, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I use that example a lot of like, yeah, some people always saw Saul. They never saw Paul and that's fine. Like I, I, I earned that. Like that was on me, you know? If I treated you a certain way for a certain amount of time, um, chances are you're going to be a little bit more skeptical about this sudden change and its authenticity and longevity. I get that. So I understand that you wouldn't trust, but other people would all of a sudden, you know, they'd come and they would talk to me because they were encouraged to speak to me about an issue. And then they would leave and say, this is not what I was told was going to happen. I was like, oh, what were you told that was going to happen? I was told that you were not going to listen that that you were going to be argumentative, that you were going to be dismissive, and you've actually listened to every single thing I've said. I'm like, yeah, and whatever I need to change, I will change. And I'm sorry that in the past, that's how I behaved. And we just move on, right? And um, and around that time, that's when um, uh, leadership, uh, conference leadership, uh, specifically one conference leader, I just had to sit down with me and say, it's time for you to go. Like, and that was October. Hold on. Before we get to that. Yeah. How, when you start to see things clearly, because mm-hmm. let's just say like July, someone comes to you and has a problem with some right. leadership style or something you've uh-huh. done. Um, chances are you would not be able to see clearly no. and you would be defensive. Very much so. After after seeing yourself for who you actually are in Christ, mm-hmm. what was that like looking back? Did you feel really bad? Did it, were you like, oh man, was there like regret or were you able to kind of look back with clear eyes and say, oh, I was behaving in this way because, and and did it all make sense? Mm-hmm. Like speak to me about, mm-hmm. because so many people talk to us about like regret and looking mm-hmm. back when they're walking in freedom. Right. And seeing the mistakes that they've made in their marriage or the mistakes they've made in the workplace or with mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. a lot of the time they're like, man, because I didn't know this. And they start feeling super terrible. Hey. Walk me through that. Um, I think that there's uh, holy sorrow, godly sorrow for how I behaved, you know, and the regret perhaps in this and not in a not in the sense of like uh, guilt, shame, or condemnation, but regret in the acknowledgement of like, I regret that I said that, or I regret that I behaved this way because mm-hmm. I shouldn't have, right? I didn't know any better, or maybe I did, but I just didn't have the spiritual capacity to not say what I was saying, right, at the time. So when people would point out, um, or when I would be aware that the relationship was being had or that there was a conversation having with a person, that in the past had seen me in a certain way, there was a, yeah, there was a, a genuine sorrow of like, oh man, you, you dealt with the wrong guy in the past. And I, and I, um, I'm pained for that, 
you know? So what can I do and how can I, how can I change that? You know, how can I make it better? And, uh, if it's other than just showing you who I am now, and if there was anything else, there's anything else, you know? So I, I, I don't know if that answers the question of, you know, was there yeah, regret? Man. I'm like, yeah, there, there was definitely sorrow, godly sorrow, regret, if you want to call it, but not in a, not in a way that it would bog me down so much that I, I would, that I wouldn't see the reality of who I was now. It was more of a, it was more like Paul when he says, you know, yeah, I used to be that. I, I was a persecutor of the church, you know, um, but I'm not anymore. You know, I'm, I'm public example number one. That's uh, what is it? First Timothy, first Timothy one, you know, chief, yeah, chief of sinners. No, he's saying, he's literally saying I am chief example number one because I used to be this. Um, and that's exactly how I would see it. You know, yeah, that's how I used to be. I, I understand that, you know, and I would look back and I still look back at things that I did in that position and paths that I led down either staff or church or how I treated certain people. And even though it might have been the correct uh, position, it was brought about in a totally wrong way. Like your um, motive was bad. Your motive was like there was some self-centeredness in there. Oh, por supuesto. Claro, clarísimo. Claro, yeah. Absolutamente. It was like, you know, it, it wasn't, it was, it might have been true, but I was using the truth to just berate you and put you down. So I might have been right, but I was using it as a weapon, you know, to beat you down. I, uh, John Just was on this podcast a while back, the beginning of last season. And in his podcast, he talks about like how he wasn't a really spiritual person. <laughs> right. And some people heard that episode and they were frustrated. No. Because they were like, man, we knew John Just back then. And John Just, man, like we had conversations with him and we, and my response was, well, you don't know what he knew about himself. Claro. Like maybe you're having a conversation with him and you're talking about spiritual things and he seems open to that. And then later yeah. you hear like three years later, you hear in a podcast where he's describing, well, I wasn't even a spiritual person. Yeah. And you're like, what? That, cause then it makes you feel some kind of weird way. Mm -hmm. But you don't know, like, what's going on in his heart. So if someone was, like, a, in your congregation, and maybe they had just positive run-ins with you, mm -hmm. and you're talking about yourself, like, oh, man, I can't see that. But there's something about when we see mm -hmm. clearly, we can see, like, even when our motives were blinded before, like, we didn't know why we were doing it. Like, mm -hmm. like sometimes mm -hmm. my motive has just been my feelings are hurt, and so I'm lashing out. Yeah, exactly. My feelings are hurt, and so I'm lashing out. I had a conversation with my wife the other day mm. where I didn't like the way I had behaved about something, and I was trying to make excuses for it. Yeah. And I realized, oh, Richard, your feelings are hurt, and mm. that's why you're doing this. Mm. But I could see it clearly after a few moments. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that, and I think that that's where also we need to, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If God throw, if God spoke in the past through an ass, he can easily speak through me. And, and, and that's, yeah, like, you know, you can't, we can still be a blessing because uh, that, that's something that I, I remember saying in the, in, in our previous podcast, you give the Holy Spirit an inch, the Holy Spirit is going to take that inch and going to do wonders with it. Right. So people are still going to be blessed. 
uh, with whatever it is that we said, because uh, because the Holy Spirit's working, He's faithful, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take away the fact that I, I, I'll speak for myself. I was not in the place where I am now. You know, I was not. Uh, I was definitely not in the place of of understanding who I am and who others are. You know. Cool. Um, and, and, and how I relate to them and how he relates to them. I was not in that space. So understood, you know, understandably, yeah, there were people were, you know, people were feeling a certain way about certain things. And and I get that. So I just, I went to work to do what I needed to do to repair what I needed to repair, to fix what I needed to fix. During that time, after the sit down, I'm still working at mending things and working things out and et cetera, et cetera. That's when I preach my anointed series, et cetera, et cetera, the one on life of David. And people notice that there is something different, although they won't say it. Right. And then eventually during the pandemic, as more I have conversations with people and the more uh, there are some relationships that are being mended and the the bridges that are rebuilt, uh, people are like, so that explains it. Okay. So I'm now, now I'm getting this timeline. You, um, you're trying to mend fences. Mm-hmm. You've realized. Build bridges. Build bridges. Yeah. Build bridges. Build bridges. <laughs> yes. And um, then you're faced with this thing like, oh, yeah, these guys are talking to me seriously. <laughs> and a lot of it is valid. A lot of it like, what's your mindset moving through this? Right. Mindset is when the elders sat down and going back to the elders, right? So yeah. elders sit down. These are the points that you need to work on. Da, 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 and the thing is, it was a little difficult because there were no specifics like, you know, brother Richard or brother Paul or brother, brother, you know, John. No, it was sister Betty. No, it was just like some people. You're like, who's who people? Some people. And you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Um, and um, so. I I think that interesting enough, the spirit led me to figure out who these people were. And I was like, all right, let's just go and and do what we need to do and and mend what we need to end. So sometime around around that time, these are the things that I needed to correct. I have this ex-abrupt, I I have this reaction, right? And a Zoom Mm -hmm. call with the conference. I get an email, right? Saying this is da-da-da. And I immediately, I'm like, all right, I crossed the line. I I was out of line, right? And that merited a personal visit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but before that personal visit, I basically took it upon myself to call my uh, the elders and say, six months have passed. What have you heard? Because this is what we've worked on. And, and it wasn't just me. Like, I sat down because it wasn't, like I said, the complaints weren't just about me. It was about me and the pastoral staff. So whatever things that the pastoral staff needed to do, we did. They actually got together. Their minds got together. They're an amazing team. And they're like, these are the things that we need to do to correct this perception that we have, right? This mm-hmm. perception that is out there. And so we did. That, 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 that. So six months into that, I'm like, what have you heard? These are the things that we've done. How can I improve? And they were like, no, this is great. Like, thanks for putting this call up. Thanks for following through. We haven't heard anything. We've, we actually heard positive things. Great. And I said, great. In one year. So at the year anniversary of the time that you sat down with me, I will call you again and I will follow up with the things that we are doing. And so that you can tell me if anything else needs to be improved. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I'm, I'm specifically methodically doing this because it needs to be done. Right. And your motive in this is 
I want to walk justly and do mercy. Like I, I've been given. You got yeah. We got to walk in integrity. Yeah, and so that's why yeah. you're doing this. Yeah, we got to walk prove in... anything. No, because like that's the one thing is like you can't not tell somebody that you're a different person. No, when you tell someone, oh, I'm different, that's like cool story, bro. Like they're not interested. No. Like you either, you have to be a different person. You have to walk in newness of life mm -hmm. and time will tell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so. And again, some people will never see it. Because I'll, I'll, be okay I'll have some that. people call me and yeah. they'll, they'll say, I'm a new person, but my spouse still doesn't believe me. Yeah. And I'm like, you are a new person mm -hmm. and forgive your spouse for not believing you. Mm -hmm. Forgive them. hundred percent. Um. And the temptation, bro, the mm -hmm. temptation is that when somebody positions you as the old person that you believe them. Bro, you know, you're reminding me of an incident about like the spouse. I remember that oh. we had this, um, we had this, uh, we had this, this, uh, we went on a vacation. We went to Colorado and, um, and it was, yeah, but sometime around July, 2020, you know, pandemic was hit, but Colorado was still open. Nebraska never closed down. Right. So we went on this vacation, the, the three of us go out camping. We went camping. We went up into the mountains, um, found a remote spot in a place called Glacier View Ranch and just way back in the, in the, you know, nothing, just us in a tent. Right. We had a great time, but then um, old patterns of old behavior arose in me. Because that's the other thing that people think, oh, your freedom, you never didn't, you never made any mistakes again. You. No, I did. I did make mistakes again. I um, I did fall into patterns of old behavior again. At times, I would. Yes, it, it should. It, you know, um, I I I went to I went to places that I shouldn't go. You know, sure. Um, and the difference was this time, kind of like uh, miraculously, providentially. Every time I would like, for example, use the same old coping mechanism <laughs> that I would use. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. Um, that same old, uh, com coping mechanism, uh -huh. right? Right. Somebody that was walking in freedom would call me the next day and be like, Hey, how you doing? I just felt the impression of calling you. And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yeah. talk and it would be very encouraging because it wasn't a, Oh, it's okay. It was like, no, that's not you. Don't let that define you move on from this, you know, stand up righteous son of God. So I remember that we get into this fight with my wife in which I said, I said something really stupid to her, really stupid and really hurtful. I went back to a pattern of, of sort of demeaning yeah. and insulting. Um, I didn't insult her, but I basically did without words. Right. And she wasn't doing anything wrong. She did something just silly, innocuous, but I was like, man, mean about it. A total jerk. And, um, and one of the things that she says, uh, obviously in her defense is, you know, uh, you keep people, you, you keep saying that you're changing. You haven't changed. And you're still the same. You're still the same. Like you're the same thing you've always been. You've never really changed, you know, like, and this is about a year later. And, and I was like, oh, I haven't changed. I'm going to show you. And I get all, yeah. Oh, I haven't changed. I'm going to show you. And I get super angry in my feels and super stupid. And we get home and I just like cope, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I just cope for like three days. 
Right. Uh-huh. And and she doesn't even know. She doesn't even know that I'm angry at her. She doesn't even know that I'm proving her right, you know? Uh-huh. And here I am just like, you know, doing doing the thing that is very stupid. Right. And after about two or three days, I don't remember, but it was like a binge, right? It was like just me uh-huh. angry at her. Yeah. I'll show you. Yeah. And um and then all of a sudden like I I I go into the secret place a little bit with the shame of old, but not, you know, Mm -hmm. and I hear two very clear things that, that were earth shattering to me. First of all, after I, after I confess and after I'm like, man, like this was just the most stupidest things I've ever done. Um, it's where it says, you're still my son and you're still good. Like, okay, you confess, you move on. You repent, you confess, move on. Like, that's how we do this, right? So you're still a son. And then the second thing that hits me, and I have it written down in my, in my journal, is um, you have given your wife way too much power over your life. She is sitting in the place that only belongs to me. She doesn't get to tell you that you've changed or not. I do. So get her off that seat because that's my place, not hers. Mm. Dude, and it was like, what? And, and I started thinking like, yeah, you know, the person that I wanted to, that I wanted to impress the most that I had changed was the person that is most important in my life. And that's her. Yeah. My wife is, 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 is the, like the second most important person in my life. And I, I, I was so sometimes desperate to prove my point that in the desperation of proving and defending myself, I would revert back immediately into into the pattern of old behavior and the moment that i got hit with she doesn't get to say if you changed or not i do and you have is the moment that i was able to just frame her relationship in mine in the way that the moment i put her in the place that she belongs i get to love her the way she deserves huh. and and guess what like that's it I clearly remember that was the last time that was the last time, Richard, that I, I did the thing. Yeah. Last time. I like, well, and it's not, and it's not, oh, you know, I know that some, we talk about accountability and, and all these things and, and blockers. Listen, um, that was the last time that was like, huh. And, and the last time that I had to, that I was in this place of like needing to prove to my wife anything, you know? It's amazing how the enemy works, right? Yeah. You're being mean. Mm-hmm. You're being old patterns. Oh, terrible. She yeah. says this thing. Uh-huh. It actually ends up hurting your feelings. Mm-hmm. 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 And so you go and them. you, you. Right. It's like we're wrapped up in this stuff. But when we see ourselves for who we actually are, yeah. when we receive forgiveness, mm-hmm. when we look at things clearly, mm-hmm. um, that's when truth, truth just kind of right. breaks through. Yeah. And it wasn't even like, and, and the apology that I'm like, I went to apologize to, my, to, to Rosie after that. And it was like, it wasn't like, it used to be apologies of like, I'm sorry, just to get out of the doghouse. You know those I'm sorry yeah. that you tell, right? Like just to get out of the doghouse. I'm sorry I got caught. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry I got caught. But it's never it's never a confession of like, listen, I I know that I've done this in the past, and I know that this is a behavior, but that is not me, and I'm sorry. Like, 
it is a genuine recognition of what you do and what has done. And at times I still have to apologize even for things that I've done in the past for, for, for the fact that I put her through that for many, many years. Right. And we, we all get in our feels at times. And sometimes I just got to say, yeah, no, I understand. I did behave that way in the past. And that is why you are probably feeling this way. But again, trust me, that's, that's not me, you know? What um, ties us together yeah. in the church is the spirit. Yeah. And with the, the squad that we kind of run with, mm-hmm. there's this feeling, there's this sentiment, and there's this belief that we can approach each other. Yeah. With honesty yeah. and love, but if there's something that needs to be said, mm-hmm. uh, we can say it. Yeah, that's yeah, the you, belief. That is a belief because it. it, uh, it when it comes down to it, though, mm-hmm. it's still not the easiest thing in the world. No, like I had a conversation just yesterday with somebody, mm-hmm. and I know I've had conversations. Someone's had conversations with me mm-hmm. where it's something that I don't want to hear. Yeah. Because it's hard. Claro. But we know that that person loves us. We uh-huh. know that that person is calling for our best good. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And we see them through that light. Mm-hmm. And so then we can actually receive what they're saying. Yeah. Exactly. Um, is it easy? Is it easy for, I, I don't think it'd be easy for someone to call me up and say, Rich, man, you're, you're tripping on this thing. Your behavior here. Mm. Dog, what someone called me the other day on the behavior they saw, they mm-hmm. saw me do something mm. and they, it wasn't sitting right with them for until like, actually they called me a few hours later mm-hmm. and the person, their heart was broken mm-hmm. because yes. they, they wanted to tell me this thing right. and I listened and it's not fun to realize, man, I, I, I blew it. But when that person is calling you and they love you. And you know that. And yeah. and they and you know you're not that person and they know you're not that person. That's the kind of beautiful thing that can. Um, that's the kind of relationships that we should be having in the church, the body of Christ. Yeah. That we can call. And it might suck. Mm-hmm. But some would say, no, bro, like this isn't this isn't you. Yeah. yeah. So. No, and, and I think that that's the, that's the beautiful part of understanding that also those things take time, like building that type of relational account, accountability, if we want to call it, right? That relational mm-hmm. um, environment in which we can actually have that freedom to go to somebody in love and say, hey, correct me, help me out here. Is this, is because I saw this behavior and I don't know if this is, am I perceiving things correctly? Am I perceiving things incorrectly? Right. It's like you almost need permission from that person. Claro. Yeah. And, and, and versus like just settling, because a lot of times we're, we're trying to avoid that somebody gets their feelings hurt, which I guess it's fine, you know, to, to, cause I don't want to put you through unnecessary pain. That's just, you know, that was the old me. I didn't care. It's going to hurt you. I don't care. <laughs> versus, uh, Hey, I, 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 I'm coming to this from this point of view. Right. Um, like the other day, what was it? My wife told me something, dude, it was, we were having this conversation over something going on here in, in, um, I preached a sermon and some folks didn't take it the right way. They completely mis misheard what I said. And I got a little defensive when one of my elders came up and said, Hey, you know, I know of such and such who's said, 
And this person wasn't even in the sermon. Like they weren't even in the sanctuary to hear it, but they were like saying things about it. And I'm like, what? Seriously? So I said something about like, okay, we're going to talk about this, but you can only bring like the Bible. That's it. Nothing else. Right. Defensive. And, and, um, and I was like, you, you, you can't bring like, you can't bring any other elements other than the Bible to this. And Rosie all of a sudden just goes and she says, why? Cause I'm telling her this at dinner. Like I'm, I'm all like verklempt about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And Rosie says, why? And I said, well, because your theology has to be from the Bible. She's like, and dude, all of a sudden she says, it took you 30 years to get to that point. It took you a while to understand that point. And then she says, your call is to feed my sheep. So be gentle with them. You don't have to get defensive. And I looked at her like, who are you? <laughs> Let's go, dude. Like, who are you right now? And then, I, like, I wanted to defend myself, but I just, I couldn't. I literally right. could not. And I just said, that's a word. Like, she said something to that extent. It was a little longer. But the way she said it, the tone she said it, it was this moment of, like, holy crap. Yeah. And then after after dinner, we put the girls to bed. I'm like, hey, thank you for telling me what you said at dinner. That was, I don't know why you said that. But that she says, I don't know why I said it and how I said it. She says, I don't remember what I said because that wasn't me. And I'm like, bet. I, 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 I like, we felt that. We felt that moment of like, she was just telling me something. And I knew that it was her when it wasn't her. So I texted the elder back and I said, hey, no bars, no restrictions. Do your thing. Like, if you want to mediate, just mediate. However, I'm happy to answer any questions. I'm sorry I got defensive. I, I shouldn't have gotten defensive, but I did get it. And I apologize for that. And and that was, it was good, you know. But that's, I think, those moments of the ability to just tell each other, sometimes in a in a firm way, right? Like, yeah. hey. Those are the moments that the Spirit is using each one of us to minister to each one of us and to give us the word that we need to in that moment because, yeah, man, it took you 30 years, so you got to be patient with everybody else, all right? Chill. Uh, yes. Yes, Lord. Okay. I'll chill. I'll chill. Oh, man, that's... Yeah. That, that that's, is that's, yeah. powerful. It is. So, um, yeah, anyways, where were we? Because we got mass Somewhere. Okay, so um, oh. yeah, I want to know about this build up to yeah. your sermon. Kaleo. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's an in person meeting, and in the in person meeting, I apologize once again. But that in person meeting wasn't about me or what I did. It was about a uh, a ministry and their position on things. It turned into like Love reality a, tour. <laughs> yeah, have you heard of them? The Love Reality Tour, LRT yeah. on the streets. Yeah, LRT on the streets. Um, so it was about an hour and it was an hour and a half, right? Where and, this is, a, and you know, I mean, I have by no time, idea. That, you know yeah. all about LRT? No, I, it, see, and this is the thing. It's like there is there seems to be this perception that if you're if you're agreeing with the message uh, that LRT preaches, then you're automatically in, right? And you know stuff. And I'm like, I don't, what? No, I just, I just, like, did you hear Like, what, what do you I, mean, no stuff? What kind of stuff? Like, you know everything. You know, you know who's oh, okay. who, you know what's what, you know the organizational in and outs, you know, like, there's a secret code that they have. You oh, it is. The there word. is a secret code. There right. Is, it gets a secret handshake, heavy. you know. Absolutely. 
And I'm like, I, I'm not aware of those things. Like they're my friends and I love them. We hang out a lot, but I don't think there's a secret to handshake. Is there? So, um, it turned into an hour, about an hour and a half long conversation about love reality and how wrong they are and how this and that and how bad the exegesis is and this. And I'm like, so at one point I remember just saying, I got his, I got Jonathan's phone number here. Do you want, like, can we just call him? Cause I, you're asking me questions about what he believes and what he says and what he has said. I don't know what he has said. I don't watch the videos. I haven't, I had no, I like, but let's call him. No, you know, we don't want to, that's not our job. I'm like, wait, you're talking about the guy repeatedly. Um, so long story short, it was like, I, I was asked like, what, okay, so what do you want me to do? Like, should I not, uh, cause you know, there, Tyler was in, in Lincoln and I would invite him sometimes to do song worship and praise on online. Cause we were still in pandemic mode at the time sometimes, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so we had the film services and do special numbers and this and that. And I'm like, should I not? No, no, don't just, it's okay. So do you want me or not? No, it's fine. Just be careful. Oh, okay. Sh- oh, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll be careful. Did that make you look at the message and say like, like second guess what Romans six is saying? Or no. were you like, so like foundational with that already? Like I, I read it again. I was like, am I missing something here? I like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe there is something that I know. And I'm, I, I read it. I, prayed through it like no it doesn't make any sense and and it wasn't just me talking to jonathan right because that's the other idea is like you know jonathan is is teaching this i'm like well okay so it wasn't just me talking to jonathan but talking to other people who i respect theologically and who are not dummies right mm-hmm. who know their bible i'm like hey what do you think about this what do you think about this have you yeah no this yeah no that makes sense that checks out I'm like oh, okay cool um so i'm like no this is and again it's not whatever you think that they're saying, like, oh, you know, that um, they're saying that you don't sin anymore. I'm like, I don't think they say that. And I don't say that. Why are you asking me about what they say? Like, I don't say that, you know? Oh, like we're sinless. No, nobody is saying that. I didn't say it. And I know Jonathan's not saying that, that we're sinless now. Right. Um, Just a lot of confusion. So in- by this time I had already been fired. Yeah. Um, yes. Were you considering oh, this is going to happen to me? Or were Mm-mm. you just like, oh, we, no, we just have to get through this or something? I didn't even, I didn't even have a suspicion that that was going to happen based on the fact that um, I didn't, I didn't find myself tied to like, you know, love reality. Cause I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not making a death to life podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know? we waited on purpose to not have you do a death right. life podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I'm not, you know, I'm 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 not I'm just, like we're friends. We hang out and we agree. We like I don't, you know, it's almost like at some at some point there's this idea that love reality has a corner on this message and it's like no, there's no corner on the gospel. The gospel is a gospel. We arrive to the same conclusion reading the same book guided by the same spirit, but not knowing that we were arriving to the same conclusion. Like that's that's what happened. Um, you know, it, it wasn't that there was a sit down that I attended a, a wave one. And then on the other side of a wave one, here I am. And like, mm-hmm. I actually went to find holes in the theology because I thought it was wrong. And it turns out, oh no, I agree with this stuff. 
wanted to take a quick break to tell you guys about Internet Church. Internet Church happens every other Friday night. And what it is, is just a bunch of bunch of freedom-loving gospel addicts. And we just show up in a Zoom room. We hear Jonathan and Justin, they put together a video, then we discuss that thing. And uh, we're in and out of there in about an hour. And it's just a huge blessing. You can text the text Internet Church, hashtag Internet Church, to 808-204-4372. And you'll be signed up to get a text when it's about to go down. Uh, and if you're crazy, you can hang out for the after party. <sighs> after party. Right? Um... So come around, things start kicking up in the church, da-da-da, and we move into October, and that's when, that's when October, that October, October 20, 2020, is when another sit-down happens, right? And this time it's, yeah, because the folks, the folks want you gone, right? The <laughs> folks. I'm like, oh, really? The folks? And so I tell them, well, I said, you know, this is what we've been doing. I had a phone call, da-da-da, and... And it's about a year, oddly enough, that um, I'm going to have my my meeting with my elders again. And yeah, no, one of them is actually the one who said clearly that you need to go. I'm like, oh, shoot. Okay. And I remember saying, well, I said, I don't serve. This is, this is, again, one of the changes that I know is different. Old Harold would have fought tooth and nail for that pulpit. Because Old Harold would have seen that as a demotion. Right. I was a bad worker because that's what it was. I was a worker. So good workers get promoted. Bad workers get fired, get demoted. So if I would have lost the biggest pulpit that I've ever had, then that would have been a demotion. And I would have I would have fought tooth and nail for that pulpit, bro. I would have begged, cajoled, manipulate. I would have done everything possible in my power to stay and to make sure that this like everything. I would have burned the place down if I had to, because that's not how I'm going to go down. Right. And it would have done, it would have been in the name of justice. It would have been in the name of rights. It would have been in the name of truth. I would have burned the place down. But it but would the, have been actually in the name of Harold getting. Of, to por supuesto, por supuesto. Like, yeah, of course. Like the mask, let's be clear. The mask, the facade would have been justice, righteous, all those, you know, truth. But that's just a mask. It's really me being injured in my pride. Right. So moment that, that I'm told, like, you know, you're going to have to go. And, um, I was basically being set up to go interview to another church, like straight up, go interview. That's like, oh shoot. Okay. And you will take that call when it comes. Cause there was the assumption that I was going to get that call. I was going to slam dunk the interview and I was going to get that call and I was going to go like the hope was you leave now. Right. And I was like, dang. So I said, well, I said, you know, I serve at the behest of the congregation and at the behest of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit says it's time to go, I go. It's okay. And that was met with a, huh? <laughs> like, no, I, you know, it, it was sort of like a consistent, um, a consistent try to, to, to have me be in a bad place. You know, oh, I'm so sorry that you feel this. Oh, I'm so sorry that you're going to have to move in Christmas and. Rosie's going to really miss it here. Ah, oh. I'm like, 
no, we're going to be good. I said, if the Holy Spirit wants us gone, the Holy Spirit wants us gone. On the other hand, and I made the mistake of saying, on the other hand, if the Holy Spirit wants me to stay, well, then I'll stay. Because I honestly thought that this was an honest conversation of possibilities. Like, in my mind, I was being genuine, like, oh, yeah, if we are in an impasse, if things are hard, if things are, in fact, terrible as you paint them, well, there's two options, right? Because the Holy Spirit can do what the Holy Spirit's going to do, and I'm going to be happy with that. I was genuinely saying that. But when I said that, I was immediately met with, like, no, that's not going to happen. We work with realities, not possibilities, and the Holy Spirit's not going to do that. I'm like, and that's kind of where I was like, oh, shoot. This is a different type of conversation, mm-hmm. right? This is not the How'd conversation. How did that hit you? How did that, like... The certainty of knowing what the Holy Spirit's going to do was was mind-boggling for me. I'm like, wait, what? You know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do. How do you know that the Holy Spirit's going to do? You know? that That's how it hit me. I'm, it was, it was shocking. fear come in? Talk to me about, like, oh, no. fear. No. no. Fear didn't come in. I was more like, what? Like, No. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, no, you don't get to say that. It was just like, that's an odd thing to say because you're, 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 you're giving the Holy Spirit a certain, like you're telling the Holy Spirit what he's going to do. We don't get to say that. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't get to boss the Holy Spirit around. Well, the truth is you can certainly say that, but the Holy Spirit is no part in that. Claro. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like we make these big decisions. Mm-hmm. And we say that the Holy Spirit brought us there, but we're the ones who got in the car and started the engine and decided mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do. Right. And then we say that the Holy Spirit has brought right. us there. I'm not convinced. Right. And so it does end up getting done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is where we can say, oh, yeah, God is, this is what God wanted. Right. Because a bunch of people voted a certain thing. Like, you know, you go back to, especially within our Adventist context, right? Uh, you know, we look at, we look at large bodies, general conference, whatever, these votes that we make, right? And, Mm -hmm. and, and we have this, we have this statement from one of our founders that, that talks about how, uh, the voice of God is the voice of the general conference. And, and so, you know, we're like, well, there it is. And a lot of times that same author will also say, no, God's not speaking through this general conference. Because yeah. it's just like, y'all got together, y'all made a vote, but y'all didn't even pray before. Like, you prayed, but you weren't really praying. You were praying, you are praying not for me to tell you what to do. You were just praying for me to rubber stamp what you want to do. Yeah. You know, we want to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, but we want the Holy Spirit's voice telling us what we already want to do. Like, in our sure. voice, telling us what we want instead of something different. So, uh, basically, that conversation ended with a... um. A, a desire, it seemed, uh, to make, to get me into a place of fear and mistrust and desperation. And I just, I, 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 I didn't. And it's not because oh, I'm not going to do that. I just like, oh, I, I honestly felt, oh, okay, well, if it's time to go, it's time to go. Mm, you know? Okay. Um, because once again, the entire estate is mine. So no matter where I'm at, I'm still a son. No matter where I go, the hacienda is still mine. Like, that's it. All he has is mine. So I'm good. Is it uncomfortable? Sure. Uh, is it a hassle to move? Yes. Um, are there feelings of pain being dismissed? Is it? Yes. Does that mean that it defines you? No. It just means that it hurt and you move on. 
Um, so I remember that since that was said, I just went about and said, well, since it is my, one of my key elders who's saying this, I'm gonna call him and say, Hey, I thought we had a better relationship than this. I wish you would have told me personally, instead of just going behind my back, this is kind of like a, again, the confrontation, not the confrontation, but the ability to tell somebody, listen, I'm telling you this in love. This is not the right way to do things. You don't go behind somebody's back. So then, um, I'm sure you kind of reached out to the, to mm-hmm. the elder yeah. and, um, and you guys on the same page. Yeah. I, I asked the elder, like, listen, I, I, I literally said, I thought we had a better relationship than this. And I'm, I'm saddened that you wouldn't have, that, that this is just unilateral, you know, that, that you didn't have the confidence and the openness to come and tell me first, Hey, you know, in spite of the follow-up that we've been having, because I spoke to you a few months ago and in a couple of weeks, we're going to meet again in the one year anniversary of this, of this meeting. And six months ago, you told me that everything was fine. Not six months ago, a couple of months ago, you told me everything was fine. And now it turns out that these are your, these are the feelings that you, that you actually have. And I'm, I'm sorry that, that that's, that's where you are. I wish you would have been more open with me. And this elder says, I'd never said that. I, I never said that it was your time to go. So I was like, huh? Okay. Well, it is what it is. Um, and at that time we were preaching this, uh, we were doing, uh, kind of like an evangelistic, gospel revival thing called you are in and um and i had it all on my whiteboard and i was going to preach the saturday that's the saturday that i preached the sermon about the prodigal son and the saturday that i apologized to my congregation for you're hmm. in you know and i had that all written out on my whiteboard and um i got an email as a follow-up of the conversation um basically the email was you're great you're awesome but you you gotta go um, and, um, and then it, it, it had this weird turn of like, beware of how you preach on identity. Don't preach like, you know, uh, because if you preach like Jonathan Leonardo, I'm like, what, where, whoa, how, like just out of the blue, right? You're, you're going to be, you're going to preach about identity. Don't preach like Jonathan Leonardo. Cause I understand that you use the same words he uses, you know, like, huh? And I, I, I ignored it because I'm like, I'm a preach identity from the Bible, not from Jonathan. I'm a preach it from Luke. So there's that. And I did. And that's the Saturday that I, I apologized to my congregation. There was a video that was made. Uh, Kisserine Bennett was the mastermind behind that. Um, because it was basically telling my story and summarizing two hours of conversation in 11 minutes. Right. Well, um, and I was genuine and honest about that. You know, I, I messed up and I apologized to them for, for being an older brother for five years and for mistreating them from, from ministering to them from a heart of selfishness and pride and the need of affirmation instead of ministering to them from a heart of love and care and compassion, which I did not have at the time. Yes, good things probably were done. Uh, inspiration was, was given, you know, spiritual growth might have been had because God is faithful. But I was not doing it from a heart of love and care. And I apologize for that. They didn't deserve that. No congregation deserves that from a pastor, Richard. No congregation deserves to have a pastor that is self-centered, narcissistic, and low-key, you know, abusive and manipulative just when people disagree with them. 
nobody deserves that in any type of relationship, much less a pastor, right. you know? Um, and they got that. It's not that we won't disagree. It's just how we disagree. It's how I go about as a pastor ministering to people. And that is not the right way. It is not, that is not feeding the sheep. That's butchering them, you know? Um, and I'm not called to butcher. I'm called to care. This is so, um, actually, oh, we'll get to that when that part of the story comes up. Yeah. Um, and so your mind was like, I'll just stay here. And if I'm here and if I'm mm -hmm. gone, I'm gone. I'm gone. Yeah. And uh, I'll just keep preaching. Mm -hmm. How did yeah. you do Pretty soon after that is when this sermon series comes up. What made you decide, yeah. I am going to preach identity? I am going to, were you just like, no, nah, we need to hear this thing? No, I, yeah. So the call didn't transpire. It didn't happen as uh, as uh, had as had been planned by others, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I was like, "Oh well, shoot." Um, and then there was like another attempt at like removing me in December, and I was like, "Oh well, it didn't that didn't pan out either." So once that happened, sometime around October, uh, after uh, October November, that's where I was like, "You know what." It's, oh, uh, yeah, one of my key elders, I went to them and, and told them what was going on. And he said, you're, you're done. This is, this is inevitable. He said, this has happened before. You know, you're not the first one that this happens to. So this is just a matter of when, not if. Mm -hmm. So when he said that, and again, this guy is, 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 is the same guy that pulled me into, into, uh, into my office and said, are you okay? You know? And he had been following and he had been noticing that, yes, there is change in you. Like you're, you're, you're a different guy. Right. So when I told him what had happened, um, he was, he said, I'm sorry, but it, you're done. This is not a, this is not an if this is a when. So once I had those things kind of line up, I just went last dance, you know, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is. <laughs> Jerry Reinsdorf has come into the office. It doesn't matter if I win the NBA or not, if I win the title or not, I'm not getting my contract renewed. Last dance. This is going to be the last dance then. If this is how it's going to go, then I'm going to preach this. And it's going to be, it's going to be what it's going to be. And that's really how it came about. Because um, I had not thought of that. I had not planned it. I, I, I was living life projecting myself not as that the last dance, but as the necessary step for taking our congregation to the next level. But when all the things started lining up and I saw the writing on the wall, I said, last dance, this is going to be the last dance. Mm -hmm. And I just, I went hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how many, uh, how many, how many sermons was it, were there in this series? Um, I had about 10 lined out and, um, that one, it, 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 I wanted to add a couple, but then, uh, circumstances didn't allow for that couple to be added. Like it was a little bit on the, it was a little bit on the, on the fly. Some of the things started getting added on the fly or so, some things started getting um, placed on the fly just because. So when you're, as you're preaching this thing, um, what was like the first thought or idea that threw people for a curve, like threw a curveball in their thinking? And what were their responses? I think 
I think the first one that really, that probably got to it was, um, that sin is not the things that you do, but sin is the condition that you have. You know, the, that you're not a sinner because you commit sins. Um, you're a sinner. You, you sin because you're a sinner. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I opened it with, uh, George Knight has this really, a lot of it, oddly enough, a lot of the stuff that I started preaching was based off George Knight's books. Like George R. Knight is one of the, uh, uh, one of the best theologians in the Adventist church, best Adventist theologian and historian to my knowledge, uh, that we mm-hmm. have. Right. And a little bit of a controversial character. He is a little bit of a controversial character for some people, but he's yeah. on it. <laughs> so he's got this little booklet called I Used to Be Perfect. Okay. And in this booklet, I Used to Be Perfect, uh, uh-huh. he has this graph that has an arrow pointing downwards. And it's like hell is in the bottom and the top is you. And it says, like, is this true? Like, if you do bad actions, will you go to hell? And most mm-hmm. people immediately recognize, say, yes, of course. Right. If you do bad things, you go to hell. And then he conversely then says, well, then conversely, it should be then also true that if you flip it and you do good things, you go to heaven. But then people get all like, whoa, no, that's not true because you don't do good things to go to heaven. So that's the first one that people are like, wait, what? What do you mean that sin is not the things that you do? No, sin is not like you commit sins, but you commit sins because of the sinner that you are in category, right? And that was the first one that kind of threw people. I, I, I remember getting people like, huh? Um, getting some people a little bit, uh, asking, what are you saying? The other one. Let, let's flesh I, that out for one second. Cause yeah. I think this is an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. And, and that is sins don't separate you from God. Right. It was the sin in you mm-hmm. that separated you from God. Claro. Because that's unrighteousness. Claro. And he is light. And where mm-hmm. there is light, no darkness can be found. Claro. So what is darkness cannot join with light. So sin separates you from God so much that he got it out of you mm-hmm. by you participating in his death, burial, and resurrection. Exactly. Never to be, you know what I'm saying? But people don't <laughs> see that. They're like, oh, if I walk into this movie theater, I'm separated from God. Claro, or if porque... I do this thing, I'm separated from God. Claro. Because that... That's that's typically how uh, within our Adventist upbringing, a, a lot of a large of our Adventist upbringing, and still to this day, that's kind of how how we we view our connection with God. You know, we view that sanctification, you know, sanctification is the process of a lifetime, and that all your life you're going to like be having victory over different sins until you finally cross the finish line of eternity, and God like looks like you made it. Well done, champ. You know, um, yeah. you. you 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 stopped eating cheese, right? And that's, <laughs> and that's like that's George Knight's uh, thing. He always he always talks about that, right? Because that his generation uh-huh. went through a whole lot of that. And he that that whole thing is is basically his own experience of transitioning from one thing into another, from from death to life, if you want to call it. Sure. Um. So then, I remember having one. I I remember preaching this one sermon. I think there's a clip of it somewhere where I say that sanctific uh, salvation is not a certificate you receive. Salvation is a reality. You know, God doesn't give you a certificate, and that is why um, you don't walk towards salvation. You walk in salvation. You don't walk towards sanctification. You walk in sanctification. And that one, 
um that that sermon was um that one was a was a tough one to preach because because before that that was like so the Wednesday before that sermon that's when I was told this is your last day here mm-hmm. so um and oddly enough it was uh leadership concerns but every mm-hmm. single email from before up to the last day I was there was about my preaching right mm-hmm. um how did the congregation man like I hear you say those things in that mm-hmm. sermon I'm like man that sounds like some really good news mm-hmm. and I think I'm just too far gone uh I can't like my ears can't go back to what they were before so when I hear right. Uh, it doesn't sound controversial. What was it controversial for your congregation? I think for, for a lot of that? people it was controversial, but like I said, I was receiving only positive feedback. I was receiving the positive feedback of people saying, thank you for this. I've never heard this. This makes so much sense. My life is being changed. I've never seen. So I'm like, I'm going out and, and I'm praying with, I remember I'm praying with this one sister who wouldn't see herself as a child. Um, and she couldn't because her life was difficult, this and that. And, and her circumstances obviously are stopping her from from embracing the idea that she's a daughter. And I remember her husband's there, her her friends are there, and we're just all of a sudden I just sent her and said, "Hey, listen, we like you need to confess." We just started praying right there in front of her family right after church. And sister is like, you know, getting herself freed uh, in that moment, embracing for the first time in her life the idea that she's a daughter, that she's beloved, and that she is well. Um, I'm getting people that, uh, I remember one of them, I, I still know an older gentleman comes up to me after one of the sermons of Kaleo and he says, and he's got tears in his eyes. And I remember I was making this appeal and I looked at him and I saw him and I know, mm-hmm. I know the look, Richard, you and I know the look, right? It's the look for sure. The look, right? Like, oh, it, this could be for me. <laughs> the look. And I go up to him and I say, what happened? And he said, I feel light. I have, for the first time in my life, I feel and I understand that I am his son and that I am loved and that I'm, I'm free. And I'm like, yeah, you're free. That's freedom, you know? So, like, stories like this, people that would write emails. Uh, so, at this was the interesting part, and I think that it had to do a lot with, with how the Lord framed things. Um, so along with the negative, uh, impertinent emails that would come on Friday nights from the conference, right? Mm-hmm. That I would make the mistake of opening up to the point that my wife was like, stop opening your email on Friday night, right? Mm-hmm. Um, immediately on Saturday, after I would preach Saturday and Sunday and during the whole week, I would get positive feedback. Mm-hmm. I would get somebody saying, thank you for what you said. I would get somebody who comes to my office and like... I had people that had questions that came to my office, but they came with an honest inquiry, inquiring heart. What do you mean with this? So what, okay. So what do you do then with Paul and chief of sinners? Right. And I remember that because we had that, like right after I said the, the, the one that was really like, like blew things up uh, was when I said, you're not a sinner. Right. Uh Which that is the least controversial statement by now that I can hear. You're not a sinner. (laughs) It's the least controversial thing we say, but but apparently it's not. Um, and uh, well, if you spend sixty years believing that you're a thing, and then yeah. some wise guy yeah, uh, comes around and is like, "You're not a sinner," and your yeah. whole 
theology yeah. is built on groveling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. oh sure. the love sure, of sure. God, He's so good because we don't deserve it. Oh, yeah. amen, brother. Yeah, yeah sure. We don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't deserve it. You're worth it. You know, whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, I remember that after I I preached the uh, "You're not a sinner" uh, sermon, um, I had a I I honestly had a moment in which the spirit was like, "You want to go to the law next week? Let's bring it back, buddy. How about you answer questions?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah I remember this. Good... I watched it. Yeah, okay. So I said, "Huh, that would be interesting." And so I picked like four texts. And the thing is, like the 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 interesting thing about this is that I I figured, okay, so how do I do this? And I figured I'll do it in an interview. Who can I do an interview with? Kessia Rain. Right. And, and I asked her like on Thursday, I said, Hey, I need you to do me a favor on Saturday. She's like, what? I need you to interview me. And she's like, what? So I, I presented with to her what the idea behind the interview was. And she was like, Oh, that's a great idea. It's a great teaching thing. I think it'll be great. I said, great. And so we just got together. Kissy Ray and I got together only on Friday. But yeah, Friday, we looked at the four verses and we said, this is what challenges are with these four verses and we'll just let the spirit guide the conversation and on both uh takes uh i i told her the that the dance that we danced to the music of the holy spirit was only possible because she can listen to the music also mm-hmm. and that was it because we didn't plan anything we didn't prep anything we didn't do any pre-interview nothing it was just and so the let's interviews sit- you're going over first timothy 115 verses. Uh, dying daily. Um, those are the, those are like always people, uh, you're, uh, I think we went over wrong. I don't remember exactly, but the two key ones were you die daily, um, and chief of mm-hmm. sinners because Paul calls himself chief of sinners. No, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> uh, you die daily. Well, no, you don't. Um, and we just, uh, we went over that. It was real. Oh, confession. I think one of them we talked about is confession. Like First John um, one nine or something like that. Something or like if you that. Say I don't, there's no sin in you or something. Alwasi, something like that. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall exactly what verses we went over, but there were four. Um, and then things got really hairy. Um, between and so by then you're just like now I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. By then I yeah the Lord opened up. The, the, I believe the Spirit really opened up the opportunity to come where I am right now. Um, because I was, I was, I was thinking like, what would I do? Like, what should I do? You know, mm-hmm. should I, should I fight this? Right. Should I, mm-hmm. should I stand up to power? Right. Um, what to do? And I, and it, it's not easy because this is where once again, the, the gospel becomes reality in your life. Right. And, and I, this is where I wanted to bring up that thing. Mm. When politics come in mm-hmm. and there's like people, because mm-hmm. in both in your story and my story, there's people mm-hmm. that may have believed us, may have just really liked us and really mm-hmm. didn't believe us, mm-hmm. may have bought what we were preaching. And, mm-hmm. and so if we're not careful, Mm-hmm. We're going to count on people mm. to save us. And I remember <laughs> just thinking, man, this is unjust. If this person over mm-hmm. here just speaks up, 
Well, if this person over here mm-hmm. just speaks up mm-hmm. and the truth, and I've learned this, I'm not too old, but I think I've learned this in my short life, is when you end up counting on people to come around and save the day mm-hmm. and save your little thing, like they're, they're just trying to figure out th- what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out what's right. And then you put your hands in the life of, or you put your life, excuse me, in the hands of someone who has no business having uh, your life in their hands. And then you're just at their mercy. And so then if it doesn't work out, oh, it didn't work out. True. Meanwhile, like, what if it is actually working out the exact way it's supposed to be working out? Claro. And I think one of the dangers and pitfalls also of relying on people is then then you get disappointed in people and then you'll get the bitterness in your heart over the fact that you didn't stick up for me when you when you shouldn't. And I know that that's something that I'd had I've I've had to um I've had to take to the spirit. Yeah, I've had to reconcile yeah. and take that to the spirit of like having having feelings of hurt uh for before you didn't stick up for me. Because one thing is also true is that when you go through situations like these, where power is stripped away from you, like in a ways, you know, you get to see who your real friends are. Yeah. You get to see who the people that love you for you are. Um, because when you have nothing to give, when you have no leverage to offer to anybody, when you're just the guy that is getting defrocked, and the dust settles, you get to see who was around you because they wanted you as a person in their life versus the people that wanted you because of the title that you bore. Uh It's just a fact. So you don't, you don't want to put your trust in people. You want to put your trust in God and God is going to open up certain people and he's going to lead certain people to say the things that they need to say. And you can be okay with that. But you can't trust. So that is a that is a very good point that you bring up, man, because when we begin to trust in people, what is it? Foolish is the man that trusts in man. Right. Like, yeah. Like, Sounds like yeah. a proverb. Sounds like something like that. <laughs> it, there is that. So I, I remember that providentially things got up the, that the spirit I, I felt and, and I know it was the spirit guiding me to to leave the way I left. You know? To just not fight it, to to not spill it over, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of happening now, <laughs> you know, because folks folks don't know, you know, your average your average church member probably doesn't know until now. Um, <laughs> they just oh he took a call, yeah. I the spirit told me that I had to go to Macedonia. I, I preached a very short, brief sermonette. Or I said, the spirit is closing the doors to preach the gospel here and is opening up the doors to go to Macedonia and to Macedonia we'll go. And, um, ooh, I got, I got a, I got a tinge of, of feeling there. Um, I remember some, I got, I got a couple of emails and some texts, people asking if I was really going to Macedonia because Macedonia is not a nice place to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's Seattle. They got, they got Starbucks and Google. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a, uh, I had there's some Ukrainian members in uh, in College U, and they were really concerned that I was going to Macedonia because they're like, sweetheart, not a nice place, you know. Buster, 
God bless him. So no, yeah, this, this call opened up, um, kind of providentially, I think also, cause originally I wasn't scheduled for this church. It was another church, but that like, it just, it bloop, here it is, here I am. And, um, that's really where Kaleo, uh, has meant, has meant something of kind of like the foundational, like if I could call it, it's, it's Harold's gospel 101, you know? I mean, that Herald's gospel isn't like, I own it. It's not, no, but it's my, I think a better way to say it is my understanding of the gospel, right? Um, and how I come to it. So I, I like to talk about what sin is because you can't, you t- we can't approach freedom from sin if we don't understand what we're getting freed from. But that's just how mm-hmm. I take it. So I spend a couple of sermons understanding what sin is and trying to dispel the idea that it is not the series, the accumulation of actions, but it is the result of the nature that you have that you were born into, you know, and some mm-hmm. folks don't like that because, you know, they're kind of Pelagian and they believe that by your right behavior, you can actually thwart away the sinful nature. And uh, that's not right. Um, well, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. Jesus said so. John 3 is kind of clear on that one. You need to be born again. I don't know how much. Surely, surely, I tell you that unless you're born again, I don't know how much clearer can Jesus be about that death. But then, when someone rebirth. is born again, right, then they still believe they have sin in them. Uh-huh. That's and where I think, it gets to the next problem. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we might have made baptism into just the ceremony of getting wet. You know, it's the ceremony of saying I want to follow Jesus, which is. Nece- mm-hmm. isn't necessarily your death, burial, and resurrection with mm-hmm. Jesus, exactly. which is what baptism actually is. Ex- 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 exactly. Yes, Richard. That is, on. yes, my man. So we want to follow Jesus, which is great. That is, that's a good moment of, of faith and confession. That's a good moment of like taking the journey, as we call it. But your baptism is far deeper than just you. Um, I, I used to call it like, it's the day you're getting married. It's like your wedding, mm-hmm. like your like your public confession of faith. Yes, but the symbol is the symbol. This this ritual that we practice has deeper and far more reaching um, implications of what it represents. And so I have now been able to, whenever I baptize or whenever I teach, that's one of the things that I say. It's like, listen, your baptism is meaning a whole lot more than just your public confession of allegiance to Jesus. All right. We're doing something something more significant here. Um it's your and burial that, I think, and is, your birth. Yeah, and I think that's where people get tripped up. That's why I was like, Oh, I've been baptized, yes, but I'm, I'm but you know, Romans seven, you know, woe is me, miserable man that I am. Paul says it, so it must be true, right? And and no, um, you haven't read Romans four through six, which I didn't either. I would skip over Romans four through six and I would just go straight into what I want to do, I don't want to do. Woe is me, wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of death? And I'd finish, oh, but thank God for Jesus Christ, right? And that was a hope. That was a hope. But mm-hmm. this this sin in me, these these tendencies, these um this acting out, this lashing out, this this selfishness, this narcissistic personality, this this thing that I was, I was just, you know, I was gonna trudge through the mud and uh one day it was gonna happen. Because, yeah. yeah, I didn't understand what baptism was and what receiving the Holy Spirit meant, you know? And right. it took me 30 years to figure it out. That's a long time. That tells you how dumb I am. 
<laughs> nah, man, the other team's on uh, scholarship too, man. If uh, if the enemy goes to sleep, whenever he wakes up, his first thought is like, how can I keep the people from knowing the inheritance that they have in Jesus Christ? Hey, exacto. Yeah. How yeah, can so I keep like, the people? Yeah, that, that that's his A1 job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... How can I like, distract you? Yeah, someone you? said that the other day. They were upset. They're like, oh, man, I, I can't believe I... I didn't know this. And I'm like, bro, the other teams really doesn't want you to know it. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, you know, it, it, it took, it, it, it's a really good way and it's done in such a good, subtle way that you, you think you're it. You know, I, I was thinking of, I was reading, um, I'm reading with my, my associate pastor, John, who's a wonderful associate pastor. Um, and we're reading uh, N.T. Wright's Paul, right? Mm. And we are, we just went through chapter two yesterday where he talks about his conversion and how the, the quote that got me from that is the, war, the one where N.T. Wright describes how Paul's experience on the road of Damascus is basically everything was the same, but everything wasn't the same. So, you know, we sometimes understand that the conversion of Paul is like, okay, he's a Christian now. No, Paul's not a Christian. He's a Jew. He's still a Jew, but he now understands that the promises of God have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The promise of the one God to the world has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And the fact that gets me of how N.T. Wright describes it is how Paul's walking to Damascus, thinking that he is doing a good thing, right? Thinking that he is actually carrying out the zeal that is necessary to purge the church and to purge Israel, to bring the Messiah back, to bring him about. And he thinks he's doing the right thing. And as he enters into this ecstasy vision moment, right, in which he mm-hmm. sees the light, in which he might have seen the throne of Ezekiel 1, and he gears up to see what face is up on that throne, sitting on that throne, Paul finds the face of Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Dude, can you imagine what Paul is going through the moment that he sees In the face of God, the God that he believes in, he sees Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified rabbi. Mm. That moment is earth shattering, bro. And so N.T. Wright describes on how he, he was still loyal, but he all of a sudden understands that his loyalty was misplaced, that he understood the identity and vocation of Israel but he understood how Israel misplaced the identity and vocation of Israel itself. And so he's going to go now and be three days in prayer, right? And the first thing that he does when he receives the Holy Spirit, which is not a manifestation of tongues of fire nor uh, glossolalia, he doesn't speak in tongues. The first thing that everybody does when they receive the Holy Spirit, when in Acts and seemingly elsewhere, is they go and preach Jesus. They go and manifest and tell and announce and proclaim Jesus is it. Like the Messiah, the promise that we've been waiting for, right? The promise that was made to us at the beginning of the story in Genesis 3 has now been manifested and accomplished in Jesus Christ for us in this timeline 2,000 years ago. And this reality has been created 2,000 years ago. And now we live in it with all the implications of this new creation that has been ushered in through the Messiah. And the implications are, you're not a sinner because you've been transferred from one category to the other. You are free from sin, meaning that sin is not the one that dominates your life anymore. You do not have a sinful nature. You've been given a new nature because you have a new heart. And now you get to grow in this love 
that you get to manifest to everybody else. I mean, here's, here's a crazy idea. My dad was telling me about this because a, a month or two back, our buddy Justin was doing this, um, mm-hmm. this thing about hell on his Instagram. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, someone brought up a question to me and I, I was wrestling with the question and the question is like, if, uh, the wicked die, why mm-hmm. will God resurrect the wicked? Oh, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about that. And he's like, God's not redundant. Why is he going to resurrect the wicked? And my dad said, Richard, do you know that there will be a point where every single person, every single human being that has ever been alive will all be alive at the same time? And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm. He's like, it's after the attack on the the new city. Or uh, he's like, everyone... Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. Even the wicked. That's crazy. They will all, like every single human being will bow and they will acknowledge Jesus as being Lord. The wicked will then, you know, they will get, they will no longer be around, but they will, even then they Mm -hmm. will confess it. They will say, yeah, Yeah. Jesus, he's him. He's, yeah, he's the one. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a crazy. So at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. this message that we're preaching that Jesus is Lord, like every tongue, every single right. human being yeah. will confess that. And they'll say, yeah, he was good. And it was mm-hmm. because of their deceit that, that they were deceived mm-hmm. and their foolishness that they would have missed out the wicked. The rest of us, mm-hmm. we've already been alive for a thousand years and we're going to mm-hmm. be like, yeah. And uh, if you want, mm-hmm. if you're more interested in that. Um, Go check out Justin's Instagram. Yeah. Thank uh, I want to ask you this question, bro. Yeah. After mm-hmm. after your podcast, the first episode came out. How long were mm-hmm. you in Lincoln? Were you you were you just about to leave Lincoln when that first episode came out? Ah, soon. When, when when did we film that? A film? I mean, uh, it was like that. a year and a half ago or something. Probably. It was. I, I in, think I was probably on my way out. Um, was I it? In I June? was about to move to Tennessee, right? Maybe. Yeah. I think, yeah, because yeah. you were coming around and you said, hey, I'm in town, something, something. Yeah, because I was coming and... back from having COVID. This is April of 20... 2021. Yeah. So yeah. I was on my way out. I, I like, yeah, the whole thing had already transpired. Um, and like I said, you know, uh, spirit was spirit was spirit. I, it, I followed the But a lot of, of people spirit. have heard that episode. A lot yes, of people have heard that episode. Have. What were... What were some of the things that people said to you after hearing like that, that raw, like, oh, this is what happened to me? Um, right. That was, that was the, yeah, that was my Damascus road. That was my Damascus road. You know, it's not that I converted now to some other thing. It's no, I now understand what Jesus is. Like, you know, whatever I didn't understand before, I understand now what Jesus is and what he has done to me. Like that, that was my Damascus road moment. It was three days, literally, where I didn't see, <laughs> and I just, I, I, I came to life. Um, but the recent, the most recent uh, reaction has been a reaction of uh, a colleague of mine who's now walking in freedom, who heard that podcast and who 
shared with me that they were weeping in their auto, in their car, in their automobile. They were weeping in their car um, because they come from a very similar background to mine. You know, one of the things that he said was, God was, God was my family's business. You know, like it was a family business because he comes from a, mm -hmm. from a ministerial home and, and this and that. And now God is my father. And, and this guy's just been rocking with it. Um, you know, he's, he, he's been sharing, you know, we, we, we talk and he's like, did you know, uh, or dude, have you read Colossians? And I'm just smiling here. You know, <laughs> it's good, but you read, yeah. Have you read Colossians? Have you read Galatians? Yeah. Have you read Romans? You know, and it's just this, like, I'm just letting him say all the things that is on, that are on his heart and how, how just, you know, the Lord has been transforming his view of who he is. And I love that his ministry is now going to get impacted in this way in that he doesn't, one of the things that he also said was sharing is that he doesn't have to like prove that he's a good pastor. He's just, he just is now, you know, he just, he walks in this and I'm like, this is vital for your ministry because now you can minister from the right place to the people, you know, you don't have to prove to them that you're a good pastor, right? That's it's mm -hmm. unnecessary. I think that a lot of times in ministry, we, in, in professional ministry, paid professional ministry, let's, let's, let's get that one right. In paid professional ministry, I think that's one of the things that we, we make the mistake is that we tie our identity to our, um, to our profession. And the problem is that when you do that, this probably should be now very self-explanatory after two episodes, right? If you've been listening this far, I congratulate you. But um, that if your identity as a pastor, and I'll speak of, of paid ministers here, um, comes from the job, it's very normal for that to happen because common, not normal, but common. Because mm -hmm. you're ministering to people and people love you and people respect you and people, you know, seek you out, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's common for you to all of a sudden begin to get your validation, your worth, and your identity from that. And what happens is that the moment that that disappears, that that job goes for whatever reason, or you have to go into retirement, all of a sudden you find yourself clinging on with tooth and nail to something that you know is the only thing that gives you validation. And that's because you're sitting your job on the place where the Holy Spirit needs to sit. That seat belongs to the Holy Spirit, not to your job, all right? And so that is, that's one of the things that we run into. So our ministries can sometimes be compromised by the good things of ministering to others if we aren't doing it from the position of understanding that the Holy Spirit is who gives me the validation, and this pastor thing is a function. It's a role. It's a, it's a, it's a job in many ways, not that it's, I don't care about it, but it's a function that I have. But it's not me. I'm not Pastor Harold. I'm not going to be retired at 70 and calling myself Pastor Alomia. I'm Harold. That's it. One of the things that I do is pastor. But the calling of preaching the gospel and telling people that Jesus is the manifestation and the, and the fulfillment of the promise that God made to humanity, till my dying day, I'm going to say that. Mm -hmm. And wherever it is, if this world lasts long enough, you're going to see the 70-year-old guy on Instagram <laughs> right still do still posting real still doing carousel still doing funny sounds or whatever it is that we're going to do in 70 years if we're still on this yeah. earth or in 30 40 years right yeah i'm still going to be telling people about that even though i don't get paid 
Because that's really what called is. That's what the calling of the gospel is on your life. It's not for a job, right? And yeah. and I know we started going down that direction at the beginning of this podcast and like we went somewhere else, but like I'm I'm being reminded of like, this is it. Like, listen, that's not your, it's your job, right? It, your calling is more than your job. And and that's how you live from it. And it's, I'm I'm so glad that this, this colleague of mine uh, who has, who's younger than me, um, has found this at an urgently at an early stage of his ministry, so that mm-hmm. now he'll be able to minister with such effectiveness, right? For sure. That that I didn't have in the early years of my ministry, but I'm thankful that I have now. That's what's up, man. Yeah, I want to ask you this, and then mm-hmm. we'll wrap this thing up. I know that the 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 couple years, maybe year and a half, hasn't been the easiest. And there's been times where he felt the bitterness and you felt the resentment. <laughs> How has the Holy Spirit <laughs> ministered to your heart? Oh, man. The Holy Spirit has ministered through my heart, through friends. Um, yeah. I, uh, oh, man. You're going to get me all verklempt. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I, I know that, you know, sometimes we say, um, one of the things that, that, that we preach, um, and I use this as a collective we, some, some of the things that we preach is, you know, about how your feelings don't determine your life. And I know that for me, I did that by making a list of things um, to do. Because, you know, once you move from one church to another, especially if you move literally to the other side of the country, there's a lot of things that you need to do. Aside from that, my wife got pregnant. Uh, with a beautiful baby girl that is now that is now a year old, and we she's a rainbow baby, so we had no idea that was happening. So while all this is happening, all this, all this, all these hard circumstances and all this pain is occurring, like we get this mm-hmm. blessing of a child. My wife literally mm-hmm. finds out about uh, Gianna um, the Friday before my last Saturday, and mm-hmm. she finds out mm-hmm. that last Friday. Um, so there's a lot of emotion of like how God is, God is like, I got you. And here's your first blessing. Rosie said that actually when she, sh- when she let me know that she was pregnant, there's like 10 minute video of, of, of us crying and weeping. We haven't posted it anywhere. That's awesome. Um, and it's beautiful because she was a rainbow baby, right? Um, wait, hold on. What is a rainbow baby? Oh, rainbow baby is the one that you have after you have child loss. Oh, yeah. She so, had, uh... She had a um, mm-hmm. miscarriage yeah. before that. Rosie had a miscarriage before that. Um, and things were not happening. We just, we literally thought, oh, well, I guess it is what it is. I'm yeah. old. <laughs> and uh, I have no intention of calling myself Abraham. And she yeah. had no intention of calling herself Sarah. And yet the Lord found himself to have the sense of humor of giving us children at the old age of 43. Um, and uh, so I made a list in my mind. Uh, move, buy a house, uh, build an office, uh, have a child, paternity leave. And then when that list ran out of things to do, the grief and the anger came to bite me. And I had mm-hmm. no clue that it was there. Right. Um, it was there. I, it was. It was kind of like, "Hi, <laughs> haven't dealt with me yet, have you?" Yeah. And and I thought, "No, I have, because I'm free." 
Mm, yes, you are, but you haven't dealt with me. So the grief and the anger were there. And I, I was like, what is going on with me? Like, why am I, like, I would sit in my office and I just literally sit with no desire to do anything. You know, that's like, that's depressing and angering for somebody who is like, has to do stuff. You're just sitting in your office and I'm like, I didn't do anything today. What is wrong with me? And I called up my friend, Kiss Her Rain. And I said, something's up with me. And she said, okay. I said, am I, do I have depression? No, I'm Latino. Latinos don't get depressed. You know, that's just for white people. So, so she's like, okay. So she asked me some questions and, and I'm, and I answered, she was like, she asked me like, have you, have you showered lately? And I'm like, yes. Okay. Do you enjoy being clean? I'm like, and I, I literally, I was calling her. I had, I had deep cleansed my bathroom and the smell of like cleaner was in there and I'm enjoying uh -huh. the smell. So I'm like, kiss and rain. I'm literally calling you from my bathroom. I'm enjoying the smell of a clean bath. You know, that cleaner smell. Uh -huh. She's like, you're not depressed. Because, <laughs> you know, there's a whole lot of other things that should be happening with you. Uh -huh. um, are you hopeless? I'm like, no. All right. So she said, okay, what you have is grief, most likely. And you haven't dealt with it. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Grief? Me? No. I'm Latino. We don't grieve. That's um, for white people. <laughs> I know. It's so ignorant, right? Um. So it turns out that I had, I had grief to process. Um, I had, uh, I had anger and I had resentment to let go of, um, you know, so I was, I remember we were in Wyoming, a bunch of us got together in Wyoming for 4th of July. You were among those people and you came up to me and you talked to me about, you know, stuff, about letting go of grief and anger and resentment. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. I, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Totally fine. You know? Uh, no, and, dude, I know the story. You weren't like that. No, no, no. You, and, had, and a few, it, you had a humble heart, man. I did. I did. And uh, I think that th it's the beauty of I've been ministered mm -hmm. to by you. Mm -hmm. And I know exactly, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because there's this thing, like, you don't want to be angry. No. You don't want to have bitterness. No. You don't want to have resentment. No. But when the feelings come up and you're like, Oh, what are is that feelings? Me? Is that me? Am um, I bitter? No, you're feeling bitterness. There's different. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to repress those feelings. You need to put mm -hmm. them up to the light and mm -hmm. go against truth. Yeah. And, and yeah. really look clearly at the situation. And I think yeah. that's what I, I was remember, offering. And you no, were, you did. You and I think one of the things that, that, thank you. I, and I appreciate your, I honestly, joke aside, thank you for, for doing that. Um, I think a few weeks, a couple of weeks later, Jonathan called me up and made me cry, <laughs> you know, which is like, you know, uh, Jonathan calls me up, makes me cry, um, in a good way. And then I was hearing the, um, I listened to Jayla's podcast uh -huh. and when she says, um, when she says, don't take it personal, don't take this personal. Yeah. And it was a moment that I was able to put my resentment, my grief, and my anger away. Um, mm -hmm. You know, because uh, there's a whole bunch of other things that happen that we don't need to get into. I have no interest in, in vetting them out sure. here. Um, but uh, that's the moment that I was able to, like, settle it, settle in my heart that there is no bitterness, there is no anger, there is no grief. 
um, and that I can settle that in the truth of forgiveness, um, in the truth of, of gospel. And uh, we took a trip with my family. We went to this place called uh, Cannon Beach in Oregon. Man, if you ever are in the, or listen, man, for those of you who want a place to visit, you should come to the Oregon coast. It is gorgeous. Um, and I remember walking. Um, it was at night. It was beautiful. Uh, walking alongside the beach. It's a small town. Um, hardly anybody is there because it's one of those summer towns. And um, I just told Rosie I wanted to go for a walk. So she stayed at the hotel with the girls. They were asleep. And, dude, um, like, uh, I, I got this moment of... For the first time in my life, and I, I, I didn't know that it was gonna, it would be so soon, but I audibly, as I was, I was walking under the stars and with, and on the ocean, and I'm, I'm, I'm conversing with, with my father. For the first, I, I, I audibly say, getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to me. Hmm. It was the best thing that ever happened to me, because it has allowed me to live a life that is amazing and that I love. I love my life here. Okay. And it's not that my circumstances are ideal, right? The house is smaller. Everything's more expensive. I commute every day. So (laughs) whatever, right? But um, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, Richard. The best thing that ever happened to me was going through that. And here I am. I was literally weeping, crying, praising the Lord, singing all your life. All my life you have been faithful, right? Goodness of God. Because through that moment and in that moment and through the pain and sorrow, I am now on the other side of this thing. And first of all, he never let me go, right? Hmm. I know what the old Harold would have done. My God, it would have been ugly. It would have been so freaking ugly, dude. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't that, you know how Jesus says, the man who hears my words and does them, I will compare hmm. to a man who built his house on the rock. Winds blue, right? They're not. But the house stood still. So, yeah, some shingles flew off my roof. I probably had to change a couple of shutters, you know, and there was some damage to the siding of my house. Yeah, that's true. But it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Because here I am on the other side, and I would not trade, I would not trade my experience for the world. Hmm. And it's, it's weird to say that, right? How can you, how can you say that you wouldn't trade getting, you know, um, blacklisted and, and, you know, maligned and, and taught, like, how would you not trade that? I wouldn't trade it because those things didn't matter. What mattered is who brought me through it the whole time. And it was my father. He held me in his arms the whole time. I might've felt like he wasn't, but he held me in his arms the whole time. And where my ministry goes from here, I don't know. But I know that the entire estate is mine. What the father owns is mine. So it belongs to me. Like, get that. Circumstances do not determine it. It is what he says about me. And yeah, life can get really bad. It might. Who knows? I don't know. But what I do know also for sure, what I do know for sure, for a fact, is that my house isn't going to fall because I'm founded on the rock. So I might lose shingles again. That's fine. I may get a couple of broken windows. All right. I may get a little bit of water in my living room. 
That's good. But my house isn't torn down. It's still standing. And it's standing because I built it on the rock. And in that moment, just a few months ago, there in Cannon Beach, was just, was this beautiful moment of understanding that I'm always in his character. So yeah, no, I, that's, that's really where, where I'm at today. You know, um, that's where the Lord has led me. And I can only, I can only imagine where else he'll lead. You know, when I look back to that kid that I just turned 20 years here in ministry and in, in, uh, in the United States, I I landed here on January 13 of 2003. Hmm. Yes. Two suitcases. Wow. <laughs> Two suitcases, a backpack, and a guitar. You know? Um, it's just going to be more, bro. Yeah. Yeah. If I could tell that kid, you know, that, that 24-year-old kid, I could tell him, hey, oh, you're going to have a heck of a ride. Heaven of a ride. It's not going to be a hell of a ride. It's going to be a heaven of yeah. a ride. Yeah, you, right. just, you just don't understand it yet. So uh, buckle up. Strap in. Strap in. Because it's going to be good. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thank her. Oh, man. Up till now, like, story not finished. Oh, up to now, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, who knows where the story goes? It's just going to be beautiful. It's only you. It's only me. Waking up to no memory. Your love is all I need. I feel it. Give me